Well, listen, we are in week three of our deeper series. Welcome to you, online family. Uh, we are in week three of this series, and God gave me a very specific message to give to you today. But to properly get ready and get in the spirit for that message, I need a little bit of help from the worship team. So I asked them to stay up here and help me get ready for this message. Ready? talking about pressure today. And no, that was not vanilla ice. Austin, you're over here like, stop, collaborate. And no, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. That's the 1981 hit from Queen and David Bowie, Under Pressure. Pressure, man. You know, no one likes pressure, but some things require pressure. When you drove here today, you drove in a car, those, that car had four tires, unless you rode like a mini bike or something, or a three-wheeler. Those tires were under pressure. The pressure gave them stability. The engine, the combustion engine, unless you drive a hybrid, that is under a whole lot of pressure in the cylinder head with the piston, unless your rings are going bad, then you're losing compression. Diamonds, a woman's best friend. Diamonds are made through pressure. How much pressure? I'm glad you asked. 237,000 times the atmospheric pressure of the earth. It's a lot of pressure. So too it is with Christians. God wants us to develop some depth, some power. And that power that he wants to develop comes through Pressure. I can prove it. James chapter 2, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face pressure of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That pressure produces perseverance. That pressure produces that power to stay, to be strong, to be stable. That's power. I've titled this message, Power Through Pressure. Say it with me. Power through pressure. If you're watching online, write that in the chat. Power through pressure. God wants to give us power, but the problem is, it's coming through pressure. Matthew chapter 16, if you've got your Bibles, if not, we've got it on, on the screen for you. Matthew 16, time was short. The pressure of the cross was looming, and Jesus wanted to convey this power through pressure principle to his disciples while he had the time. Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time on, this is when Jesus' ministry pivots. It's getting close to the cross, so you see this pivot. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. The pressure was getting turned up. He suffered many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So he gives them the playbook. Peter took him aside to rebuke him. How many know you shouldn't be rebuking Jesus? 
That's not going to turn out well for you. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and said, and by the way, that was my religious voice. <laughs> Some of y'all who grew up in, in a religious you know, church, you, you, you recognize that, that tone. He says, he turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me You'll find it. Lord, thank you for that tough reminder. It's tough because it, for a lot of us, it hits us right in the gut. But perhaps it needs to. Your word was never meant to be watered down or sugar-coated. We were never meant to placate God. We were meant to be disciples, be followers, and to receive truth, even when it hurts. God, I just thank you that we would receive it, and it would fall on fertile soil, God, and that we would respond in the way they would be honoring to you, God. Show us how you bring us power through pressure. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first principle from God's word today. Power can be purged. That power that God wants to do, that work that God wants to do in your life, it can be purged. Just like a ringing cell phone can be thrown <laughs> into hell. I'm just kidding. It's probably someone new and never come back. So power can be purged. Be careful because the work that God wants to do, we can purge it, which is why Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me because he knew the power of a distraction. What's, what's, what's interesting is that five verses earlier, if you read that passage, five verses earlier, what did he say to Peter? He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And Peter's like, all right, all right, all right. Y'all hear that? He said, what he meant is, Peter's name is Petra, rock. And upon the rock of Jesus Christ, we'll build the church. And we're going to use jokers like you, Peter, right? And me and all of us, imperfect people. But it's really built on the rock of Jesus Christ who will never let us down. Amen? People let you down. Jesus won't. And But just five verses earlier, he's feeling like a rock star. He went from being the rock to a stumbling block. He went from a rock to a block in five verses. <laughs> the word for block comes from a Greek word, scandalon, meaning impediment. He was an impediment to Jesus. What he was essentially becoming to Jesus is one of these. Who knows what that is? What is it? Shut up, Alf. Th thank you for playing. Nice try. Man card officially revoked. I, I know y'all are dating. I should not. I don't. Y'all are dating. That's so wrong. She's got like, I don't, I don't like you anyways. I want me a man. What is it? Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Pressure relief valve. That's what Peter became to Jesus. Now, you say, well, that's a good, that's good, right? I mean, you know, I mean, this, this thing could save your hot water heater from becoming a bomb. 
right? Because if the pressure builds up, this thing opens up and it's out the side of your house and all is well. Mama's still happy, right? But what happened when it comes to our faith and the pressure that God, the, the God honoring, the, the, the pressure that God's using to, to, to bring us power, we don't want a relief valve. Be careful because you have the power to purge your purpose. And that should send shivers down everyone's spine because you know what? It happens all the time. You know, as many people as we have in this church, as we're growing church, they're still empty seats. They're empty because God put some pressure in someone's life for the purposes of not harming that person, for the purpose of growing that person, deepening the well, maturing that person. And you know what they did? They went to a relief valve. It's too much. I can't handle it. God, you must hate me. You must be mad at me. Nope. I'm like the song we just sang. I'm for you. I'm for you. Friends, what's your relief valve? When the pressure gets turned up, what is it? Is it a pill? Is it a bottle? Is it some sort of, is it a screen? Is it a device? Is it social media? Or is your relief valve a person? Ooh. Hmm. Be careful of, of, of that person who becomes your relief valve. Hmm. That person who, who gives you the words of affirmation. I'm a words of affirmation guy. That's my love language. But be careful because words of affirmation can turn into words of inflammation. Right? And so be careful. Who, 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 you know, when, when things are going wrong, I know who to go to. That one person who's a co-signer who will make me feel good. Well, you know, maybe things are supposed to go wrong for a little bit. I learn more from my failures than I do my successes. And God works through pressure to expose things and to bring out things that maybe we tuck underneath the surface. Beware of that person. Let me give you a principle that you can use for the rest of your life. Don't forget this. Don't drink from shallow wells. If someone needs to write that down, if you're not, put that in your phone. Don't drink from shallow wells. If you get people around you who have a shallow well, and it's one thing if you're evangelizing, right? But just be careful who's in your circle. Make sure that well is deep. Because if you drink from, hey, I can go right out those doors, right into the restroom, get right on my knees, put my head clean in that toilet. It's accessible. It's available. It's room temperature. You're laughing like I'm crazy. And yet so many of you people, so many of us, myself included, so often we drink from a shallow well. We get advice for someone who's, who, who, who's not even a Christ follower or maybe who just became, and we, take, we get some bad advice. We drink from shallow wells. The, the, the plan, God's plan is the, it rains and it goes, the, the water goes through the earth and it's the earth that acts as a filter to remove surface contaminants. A lot of us, we are drinking surface contaminants because we're drinking from a shallow well. Who, uh, who just got married in the last two years? Raise your hand. Okay, I don't want to pick on you. Who else? Come on, I'm going to pick, I always pick on you. Oh, um, Raven. Now, Raven, I hate to, I love y'all, but if, 
if I'm struggling in my marriage, I ain't coming to ask you for advice. Now, that's not a, that's not a knock. But in, in about five, six years, when your marriage is tested and you go through some stuff, you're, you're, you're going to see that well deepen, right? Who, who just had their first kid? Who just had their first kid? Come on, someone just had their first. Back there. I can't see who it is, but you know what? God bless your soul. I'm sure it's a cute little baby. But I ain't coming to you to, to, to ask parental advice, parental advice. You know what I'm saying? Who, who just became a Christian? Anybody just go, come on, in the last couple of years, someone, someone just became a Christian. I see you way in the back. I'm definitely not coming to you. <laughs> Number one, you're too far away. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and that's not, I'm not, hear my heart. I'm not picking on people. I'm just saying, so often we drink from a shallow well. And Jesus is saying, I ain't drinking from a shallow well. Peter, I ain't drinking from a shallow well. I'm not going to do it. There's some wisdom in that. When I, uh, when I went to uh, start, start this church, how many people you know that tried to talk me out of it? Most of whom were Christians. And they said, ooh, that's a whole lot of pressure starting a church. Well, they were right about that. But they weren't right about the purpose to which God had called me to. If I had listened to them, I would have went to Paradise, California. Some of you know the story. A lot of new people don't. I won't reiterate it, but I should because it's a powerful story. I was going to take a job there in Paradise, California. They offered me the job. Beautiful church, 1,200 people, big staff, beautiful insurance, salary, retirement, all the stuff you want, blah, 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 blah. And they're saying, you should take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take the job. I didn't take it. I didn't listen to them, thank God. The town burned to the ground six months later. <laughs> Burned to the ground. And I ain't celebrating the fact that it burned to the ground. I'm celebrating the fact that I listened to God, not people. We, we, gotta, we, can't, we can't drink from shallow wells. And, and here's what I want to tell you. Deeper. Y'all forgot to put the, t- the, the countdown clock up. Y'all are in trouble. Uh, deeper looks dumber. Okay? Someone in the back missed it. Deeper looks dumber. When you do something deep for God... Quite often, it looks incredibly stupid. Day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. God was doing a deeper work in them. Tongues of fire, right? The, The Holy Spirit descends on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin speaking in tongues. And what did they say in Acts 2, verse 13? Y'all are drunk. That's what they said. Y'all have been getting into grandpa's cough medicine. I mean, that's my version of it. It's the wine, Okay. Seems deeper seems dumb, right? Deeper looks dumber. How about tithing? Oh, people who, who aren't Christians are like, wait a second, hold, 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 wait You take 10% of your income, and above and beyond that, you even give more to the, the dream fund. The dream is, you know, the, this, it's not about a building, but people, it's about people, but people need a building, right? Unless we're going to live here for, forever. And mom's basement. That seems so stupid to people, right? Deeper looks dumber. But people who tithe know you can't outgive God. God blesses. I can't afford not to give. God has blessed my life so richly in ways I can't even describe to you. I got a check from the IRS last week. I'm, I'm not joking. I, I got a check for $330. They paid me. I don't know. It's true. Yeah, that's a little sus, right? That's, that's what my son says. Dad, that's sus. That's sus. It looks sus to the outside world. To Peter, he's like, 
No, Jesus, you're the Messiah. Surely you're not going to suffer. Jesus like, don't call me Shirley. And number two, <laughs> I came to suffer. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. I came, that's why I was born. I was born to die so that you could live, Peter. So would you shut your mouth? And, and, and let's go deeper. Where did Jesus tell Peter to move? Behind him. Behind him. There's something powerful there. When you go to the fridge and you want to get that him that's behind something, what do you do? You move something and we move it to the side. Josh, when you go to your workbench, something's on the workbench and you need to get to it, you move it to the side. When I want to get to the remote control and I don't have like that all in one remote like y'all rich people have, okay? I got like 17 remotes. And, and what do I do? I push them out the way to get to what we want, right? And, and I think when it comes to our temptation, we don't do what Jesus did. We move our temptation to the side and Jesus moves it to the back. Amen. Here's what I'm trying to say. We need to relocate our temptation. We need to begin to relocate. You can't really eradicate temptation. The Holy Spirit could take that away, right? But oftentimes he doesn't. And so we can't really eradicate the, the temptation. So what do we do? We relocate it. But where you put it matters. Jesus put it behind him. Now, wait, wait a second, Pastor John. Here's for the religious people in the house. James 1.13. God can't be tempted. Jesus wasn't tempted. Hold on. Let's go deeper. So God left heaven, John 1.14, took on flesh, took on humanity. Divinity and humanity at once. The theological term is hypostatic union. Hypostatic union. Humanity, divinity, living as one. One God. God can't be tempted, but the humanity that he took on becoming a role of a servant, could be tempted. And we know from Hebrews 4, verse 15, it was tempted. Remember, we, we don't have a God that's distant, and we have a God that's been tempted in every way, like us. Who's, right? It's kind of cool to be able to relate to God, because he, he endured the kind of stuff that we have to go through and still was without sin. He relocated his temptation. I did that this week. <laughs> oh, you saw my notes. That's why you know what I'm talking about. I, uh, we had a party at the house and there was this big tray of chocolate chip things with icing on there and they were sitting on the counter and I was walking by and you know I had one I'm like man I can't eat that garbage it's my weakness so what did I do I took that thing you know that right did you see where I put that where on the kitchen table right I put it, I put it somewhere where I'm not going to see it in my direct life. I'm putting that behind me now that's a small example but it's an example nonetheless. How about that person in your life that you need to remove? I'm going to save him. I'm going to date him. I'm going to save him. Or he's going to sink you. <laughs> and you need to remove that person. Or how about, oh, oh man, I've offended all of you. I may as well offend everyone watching online. <laughs> how about online church? Now, there's a whole lot of people, okay, who can't make it to church because they're geographically too far. Or physically, they're having you know, some sort of illness and they can't, not talking to you. I'm talking to the other 90% of you watching online. We love you. 
Online church can be a temptation. What do I mean? Hebrews 10.25 is what I mean. We should not stop gathering and all the more as the day. I don't think God had in mind you sitting in your kitchen or in your living room, not brushing your teeth and just hanging out. Like there's a time and a place for that. Like no shame, no guilt. But like, come on, man. Like we're, we're better together. And for those who are physically able and those who are close enough to do so, we need to do life together. We need to, we need to be part of the family. That app on your phone, that app on the phone, maybe put it behind you. We had, I, I talked to a guy yesterday who said when he goes to the gym, he takes off his glasses because he can't see. He's, that way he's not tempted to lust because some ladies weaponize their beauty. Ooh, there's a word for you. God gave me that this morning. Ladies, don't weaponize your beauty. Be careful. Be modest, right? And, and, but he takes off his glasses. Why? Because he's relocating his temptation. We're in the temptation relocation business. Here's a little quote for you. It's an original. Remove a temptation today that can become a stumbling block tomorrow. I rest my case. Power can be purged. Number two, power comes through friction. Power comes through friction. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants power, whoever wants depth, whoever wants to be the real deal, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That requires friction. Now remember, the Jews living in Palestine at that time were under Roman rule. And so the Jews were freaked out. That would have really sent a shiver down their spine because crucifixion was the worst form of execution by far. In fact, Romans didn't use it on Romans. They only used it on their enemies. And part of the crucifixion process is that you had to carry your own cross. Now, a cross weighs about weighs about 300 pounds, and, but they only carried the cross member, which would have been about 100 pounds. And so you had to carry the instrument of death to the place of execution. How fun is that? That caused some friction. I'm going to illustrate that in, in just a moment. But first I want to say, most of us, we avoid friction. We avoid friction. Why would I want to be a missionary when we can just pay somebody to do it? Just put some, put some money in the plate and we'll, we'll pay some professional missionary to go overseas and win some souls. That way I ain't got to do it. Or you could do what God said, carry your cross and be a missionary at work, at the gym, at your social activity, right? Why, why would I want to carry my cross? Why would I want to read the word every day when I can just pay Pastor John to do it and he can spoon feed me every weekend? <laughs> or why would I want to serve? Why would I want to show up here at 6.30 in the morning with Mike P and the rest of the crew and, and get all sweaty? It's getting kind of hot out there. We'll just pay, put some money in the plate and, and they can hire somebody. Why? Uh, answer? Because Jesus said to. He said, man, if you, if you want to be about, you, you can't be a disciple if you don't carry your cross. And that, that's painful. That causes a little friction. It's, it seems like it's a, you know, we, we want to create this frictionless gospel, right? Americanized version of the gospel, whereby we don't have to suffer any 
abrasion whatsoever. Jesus said the gospel is forcefully advanced in Matthew 10, 12. He said in Luke 11, 23, he said, if you're not with me, you're against me. Like God wants us to carry our cross. And listen, I, I, I'm not trying to, I hear my heart. I know this, 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 this message sounds tough, but could it be because to be a real disciple is actually tough? Like maybe I'm just accurately representing the scripture, not trying to hurt you, beat you up, tell you what you're not. Because I'm, I'm convicted when I'm saying this. I'm like, man, God, I've got so far to go, you know? And so don't hear somebody trying to beat you up. Hear someone that, that wants to, hear a God that is so in love with you that he doesn't want you to settle for anything less than what he has for you. Hear that, hear that. And it's like a, it's almost like a paradox. You say, wait a second, power doesn't come through friction, right? In, in the world, power is lost through friction, right? You step on your brake in your car, what happens? Your calipers tighten and the brake pads squeeze against the rotor, causing friction. What does that do? That causes the car to slow down. You lose the power. But the gospel, whoosh, completely different. Forgiveness. Hebrews 9.22 Without the shedding of the blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. Our forgiveness came through the friction of the cross. What about blessing? We spoke of blessing earlier. Where does that blessing come from? Matthew 5.10. Blessed are they who are persecuted. So the, the blessing comes through the friction of persecution. What about the, the, the spread of the gospel? Where did that come from? Through the friction of the religious phonies, known as the Pharisees and the scribes, Right? attacking the church. It was through that friction that the gospel was launched. And here's what I'm saying. We're in a tough time right now. People are saying, well, what's going on in our world? What's going on with everything? I believe God's doing a deeper work. I believe the friction that we're feeling as a nation, I believe there's something deeper going on. And I'm not gonna prophesy. I'm not gonna you know, tell you what, what I, I'm not supposed to tell you. But what I am saying, I'm pointing to a God who is doing something deeper, something more than we can see. So stay tuned. I've been saying this all along. You just stay tuned and you watch God show up and show off. All right, I need a, uh, I need a volunteer. Chip, Chip, you're a big guy. Come on up here. Big Chip. All right. So I want to illustrate the, uh, what it looks like to carry a cross. Because, oh yeah, that's, that's a little top heavy. <laughs> Chip, so what, what, I want, what I want everyone to see is just the reality of, of what this looks like. Oh, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Oh man, you, we can't, you can't even write that. All right, come on. So, all right. And I just stay here because I know it's, your adrenaline's pumping, but it's going quick, to quickly fade. All right, so the longer he's here. So as the longer you carry the cross, the more irritation you're going to feel. Okay? But here's what I want to convey as his, as his left shoulder begins to numb. Is that irritation for Christians is preparation. Irritation is actually preparation. The pain and the pressure that your uh, deltoids there are feeling are a pressure that is God-induced. It's not punishment, it's preparation. Irritation is preparation. And let me just tell you a little story about irritation real quick. I went to the Grand Canyon uh, several years back. 
And I went with a buddy. Uh, we met a friend from California. He's a lawyer. He's actually a good lawyer. And his name is Griff. Well, Griff and the family, they, uh, he's like, you know, a big avid hiker. And so he shows up and he's like, Pastor John. He doesn't really call me Pastor John. I'm just saying that for you. We're going to go, uh, we're going to hike the Grand Canyon. And we're going to go down and up in less than five hours. <laughs> and he was, cha- he was challenging me. I'm like, well, I'm not a hiker, but, you know, I, I try to stay in shape. So I'm not going to say no and act like a wimp, you know. So I didn't have all the gear. And he's got all the stuff. He's got like the, the camel backpack, you know, that little thing that goes. <laughs> I'm like, dude, just take a drink, man. Just take your, put in your, and so I don't have anything. I got, my, I got, you know, my tennis shoes. I got some shorts. I got, you know, my little daughter's Doc McStuffin backpack. I put water in, you know. It wasn't Doc McStuffin, it was, but it was a little kid's backpack. And I'm throwing waters in there. We go down. It was awesome. We come up. And we were getting close to the top. And it, and it started hurting. Now, the funny thing is, and Griff's probably listening online. Griff, you, you tanked, like, way earlier than me. <laughs> I'm just saying, you were like, oh, I got to sit down. I'm like, you're the hiker, man. So, but, but I didn't have the right stuff. I didn't have the right clothes. And so I started on the way up to develop an irritation. You all right? Doing okay? Okay. <laughs> just don't pass out on me, okay? So I developed an irritation and it hurt really bad. And let's just say I would have... They say they took a lot of gold out of the Grand Canyon. There was only one gold that I was looking for that day. Gold bond medicated cream. <laughs> Body powder, triple action relief, cooling, absorbing, itch relieving for all your sensitive parts. <laughs> I would have given anything for some gold bond medicated cream. Why? Because of the irritation. And I know you're, you're, you're being tough in front of your wife. God bless you. But I, I can promise you, I tried this, and you're probably a little stronger than me, but, but I can tell you that it's starting to hurt. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right, good. It's starting to hurt, starting to get irritated. But here's what I'm saying. Perhaps there's a marriage that's irritating, you know, that's, that, that you're struggling. Maybe there's, uh, maybe your, your hope is irritated. And maybe someone is, is on the precipice of giving up. And here's what I want to say. The bigger the irritation, the bigger the blessing. Someone needs to cling to that today because you're struggling. You're watching online. You're hurting. And God's saying, the bigger the irritation, the more it hurts, the more pressure you're feeling, <laughs> the greater work I'm doing in you. So stay tuned for the work of God. Today. Doing all right? You're doing a good job. Oh, thank today. you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. I I feel like after that, I need to send some help because here's what, here's what, here's the application. When you're there, there's a load that God meant for you to carry. He's, and that's your cross. That's your cross. He says, carry your cross, but he didn't say to do it alone. He didn't say to do it alone. Right. Workman, come on up here. This is your buddy. So, you know that Jesus didn't carry his cross alone. You remember Simon the Cyrene? Simon, the, he's from Cyrene. Remember the guy who helped carry the cross? So we need a Simon the Cyrene. Now he was, Simon the Cyrene was, uh, 
Cyrene is modern day Libya, so he's probably African. You're not African, but you're a, you're, you're a good guy. Okay. Good guy. I know, I know Josh. Plus you're friends with him. Yeah, we moved to couch yesterday. You moved to couch, couch, couch yesterday, cross today. So let's, will you help him move that cross back in place? Because the, here's what the Bible says. Carry, go ahead. Come on, help a brother out. Carry, go ahead, take it back, take it back. Carry one another's burdens, and in doing so, you fulfill the law of Christ. And this is what a team does. This is what a family does. This is what brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, that's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Thank you, Chip. Thanks, guys. That's what, and you know what? Let me give you an example of what that looked like yesterday. You, you ready for it? In reality, take all the warm and fuzzy stuff off. This is what it looks like. Right here. Go ahead. Put that picture up. Oh. That is Bob Mead's gluteus maximus. Yeah, Deanne, you're clapping. Woo-hoo. We had another one, but it had a plumber's crack on there, so we had to, like, scrub that one. No, Bob Mead yesterday, here's what he was doing. He was serving. There was 35 guys. He gets there early, helps cook, and he's clean. So while everyone's meeting, you know what he's doing? He's on his, he didn't know we took this picture. We didn't ask. We're going to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. But that's what carrying your cross looks like. Carrying your cross looked like about 50 people coming here this morning and setting up. It looks like people serving over in the kids' ministries or serving out in the hot sun, helping park cars and greet people. That's what carrying your cross looks like. Listen, if, 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 uh, if you need help connecting with people to help dis- displace the friction of, of your cross, I want to challenge you to get connected in our family circles. Get connected in our men's group that meets every other Saturday. Get connected in our women's group that's now meeting in a summer series for three more weeks at 8.15, right over here, every Sunday morning in the month of June. Get connected by serving. Get off. Oh, you took it down. Get off that and say, you know what? I want to be part of a family. And part of being a part of a family is, is striving together. Amen? Amen. Amen. So power comes through friction. Power can be purged. Power comes through friction. And lastly, power is measured by loss. Whoever wants to save their life now will lose it in eternity. But whoever loses their life now, in other words, whoever says, you know what? I'll get up at 6.30. I'll go serve. I'll go help. I'll give. I'll be part of a family. Whoever does that now, God says, you will find your life for eternity. I don't know which one you want to be, but I want to be that one. You're a diver. Who's a scuba diver? Any scuba divers in here? So to go deeper in scuba diving, you have to lose something. What is it you have to lose? Buoyancy. You got it. Buoyancy. That desire, that natural propensity for us to float. We have to lose buoyancy to go deeper. In fact, in freshwater, you have to be, uh, your buoyancy, it's, the, the term is neutrally buoyant is the actual term. They want you to be 62.4 pounds per uh, feet cubed in freshwater. And in seawater, this has a, a little more salinity. You, you want, they need you to be 64 pounds uh, per feet cubed. That's the... Um, the buoyancy. How is that accomplished? Right here. Whoop. Weights. 
So divers wait, okay? So we, we need to, we need to um, reduce our buoyancy. And here's, 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 the, here's the point I want to make. The deeper a diver goes, what, in, what increases the deeper you go? Pressure. And check this out. What the pressure does, the deeper you go, the more pressure. The more pressure, the more compression on your wetsuit. Therefore, decreasing your volume the deeper you go. And so the greater depths, the deeper you go, the more you um, lose your buoyancy. Did you, did you catch that truth? The deeper you go, the more you lose. It's true in diving, and it's true in our faith. You want to go deep with Jesus? You want to go deep? You got to lose more. A.W. Tozer said, the way to deeper knowledge of God is through lonely valleys of soul poverty and abnegation. That's denial of all things. The blessed ones who possess the kingdom are they who have repudiated every external thing and have rooted from their hearts all sense of possessing. Today, someone feels like they're under a lot of pressure. You feel that wetsuit just tightening and constricting you. And you want to go deeper, but the water's dark and the pressure is immense. And there's something inside you that says, I, I don't want to go deeper. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm afraid of, of, of the abyss. I'm afraid of those kinds of depths and, and what might be down there. And if I can even make the journey, you're feeling lost. You're feeling pressure. And if you're honest, you're feeling crushed by the weight of all of it. Isaiah 53, five. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we're healed. Don't you understand that the pressure, the pressing, the crushing is what brought us newness. And I believe God's doing a new thing today. I believe there's a, a newness that he's in the midst of. I believe he's making new wine. And what did he say in, in Matthew 9? He said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins, right? Because when you put new wine in the old wineskins, the, the wineskins, they would, they would explode because during the fermentation process, those things expand. They can only expand so much. And I think God's telling us today that, that I'm, I'm fixing on making a new batch of wine in your life. But you better prepare your house. You better get those wineskins ready. You better get that soul ready. Get that home ready. Get that heart ready. Get that marriage ready. Because I want to do a new work in you. But it's going to take some crushing. Just like I modeled on the cross. I was crushed so that you could be healed. So that we could be free. That's what comes as a result of crushing. So here's what I want to do. This isn't for everyone but it's for someone. I want to invite, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come. And in fact, let's bring these, uh, these presses out here. We have, some, we have some grapes up here, and we have two presses. And what I want to invite you to do, as, as the Lord might lead you, 
is to come and let this be your altar today. Take a grape and take that grape and put it in these presses that are gonna be coming out here shortly. Put it in the, uh, that press and at the end of the song or whenever we get to it, we're gonna press that grape. And what, what are you doing? What are you saying? You're simply signifying to God that I'm laying everything up on your altar. That friction that I feel, that loss that I feel, that pressure that I'm under right now, I'm gonna lay it on your altar and I'm gonna allow you in a heart of surrender, I'm gonna take my hands off the wheel, I'm gonna stop trying to control that which I was never meant to control and I'm gonna allow you to press me. I'm gonna allow you to crush me because it's in that process that newness is made. And so what I wanna do as we uh, sing this song, I wanna invite you to come through as the Lord leads you. And if the Lord doesn't lead you, you stay right where you're at. But as the Lord speaks to your heart, just come down these aisles and you can go, keep, you know, we'll keep the traffic going this way and that, that road go that way. And what we'll do is we'll just respond to God. Whatever your crushing is, whatever God's doing in your heart, just respond to him today by saying, I don't fully understand it, but I trust you. I trust the crushing process and I trust what it will yield in the end. I will lay myself volitionally on the altar and say, have your way, make new wine within me. So as they begin to sing, I invite you to come and respond. See, this is the part of being a Christian that no one talks about. They always wanna talk about what Jesus did, and we should. But then he says, now do your part, carry your cross. Thank you today for responding as the Lord would lead you to carry your cross. It begins with a heart commitment, and it's carried out long after this day. It's carried out when you leave this place, when you go home and you fight for what's important. You fight for your kids, you fight for your family. You fight to be a witness in a world that is growing increasingly dark. Thank you for surrendering to the crushing, to the pressing that God wants to do in your life because it's in the pressing that we get power. Amen? Amen. God doesn't want a wimpy church. He wants a powerful church. And the power comes through pressure. With every head bowed and every eye closed before we leave today, if you want to know Jesus and you have not made him your Lord, whether you're watching online or you're here today, you want to know Jesus as Savior, just pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I can't do it without you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for fighting for me when I couldn't fight for myself. I love you, Jesus. I make you my God from this moment forward. I exist for you. Use me to do something great in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we welcome those people who prayed that prayer in the family of God? <clears throat> Come on. Come on. Listen, if you made a decision for Christ, we will have our pastoral team and our prayer partners. They'll be up here up front. Um, and if you made that decision, let us know. Right, reach, out, reach out to us at connectedgatheringchurch.org. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to journey with you. Listen, as you go out today, throw those shoulders back. Don't be encumbered.
by all the weight. I know it's heavy. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. And I know sometimes it's irritating. But remember, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. And that pressure is giving you power. Power to throw your shoulders back and to say, I will be a light wherever I go. They will know Jesus by the way in which I live my life. So you leave this place with a smile on your face and your shoulders back and your chest pumped out knowing that you're a son or daughter of God. Amen? God bless. Have a great week.